You can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Monday, June 19. New body cameras will keep an eye on Australia's special forces personnel on the battlefield as defence seeks to limit the damage from allegations of misconduct by our most elite frontline warriors. It's controversial. Experienced operators say this will heap even more pressure on split-second decisions made in the heat of conflict. A reckoning is looming for rugby league, with the game's governing body meeting this week to consider its controversial research into concussions. That's after The Australian revealed players' concerns they were being kept in the dark about their own brain injuries. In a moment, we'll bring you the very human stories of league superstars with serious concerns about how they've been treated. And a warning, this story contains mentions of suicide and mental health problems. If you need help, call Lifeline. It's a free 24-7 counselling service on 13 11 14. Once or twice in every generation, Rugby League produces someone who has it all. Phenomenal athleticism, a drive to succeed and natural charisma. Oh, Davis now. Robbie O'Davis had it all. From a sweet 17-year-old rookie... It's a bit of a challenge, but I'm giving my best shot and what happens out there, I have full control over it. (laughs) To the acrobatic fullback of his age, the 1990s and early 2000s. Oh, great work, Robbie O'Davis. Came from nothing. A little bloke, Queensland fullback. He was just incredible and they called him Robbie (laughs) O'Savis. Jessica Halloran is our chief sports writer. He was very glamorous too, wasn't he? He was handsome and charming. Yeah, he was. He is. He, he would probably say he still is. But <laughs> I mean, and he was also, he called himself an entertainer and what he would do was dance after these tries and he really, you know, everybody was doing this Robbie O'Davis dance after the 97 win. Newcastle back in the 90s was a pretty gritty city. It's a hard working class town. I say hard in the nicest way possible. These are people that live for this team and love this team. And when the Knights won that grand final in 97 and then in 2001, which Robbie O'Davis was part of, it really lifted the spirits of the city. You know, you just look back at the team list of those days and you see the Johns brothers, Andrew and Matthew. You see the Chief, Paul Harrigan, Mad Dog, Adam McDougall. And then, of course, Robbie O'Davis. He suffered some incredibly horrific injuries while he was playing. He completely smashed in his face in a game where he had a a broken palate and had a wide jaw afterwards and knocked out all these teeth and put his nose on the other side of his face. There's this iconic photo of his gruesome injury. But he just played weeks later. Robbie O'Davis played 223 games for the Newcastle Knights 
represented Queensland in State of Origin 13 times and played 10 tests for Australia. By the age of 32, Robbie was done. He retired and set about building himself a new life. But as he got older, Robbie began to reflect on the immense physicality of his career and the head knocks he and everyone else suffered week in, week out. We always thought concussion is when you got knocked the hell out. But seeing stars concussion, and you'd see stars like 10 times a day, and it's an addiction. When you get hit in the head, you'd fall back, and, and I didn't have to be in the line anymore. So as getting hit, I start seeing stars, and I go back, and you've got 20,000 people in the stadium cheering, and you're seeing stars, and it's just a woo, how good. And it, it becomes a bit of a buzz, and you want to do it again. If you've listened to our podcast, Head Noise, you'll know concussion is the biggest issue in modern sport. While scientists and doctors discover more and more evidence that repetitive head trauma leads to early onset dementia and to problems with anger management, substance abuse and depression, sports are trying to protect themselves from the increasing concerns of players and their families. Jess and reporter Wendy Carlisle have been investigating a story with those 1990s nights at its centre, and it raises some disturbing questions about how rugby league is handling this issue. He does a number of things. He is a fitness trainer. He's incredibly fit still. And he also drives a cement truck for a living. He's 50 years of age and he's really, really struggling. He's battling and he's just been diagnosed with probable CTE, which is a degenerative brain condition which is linked to repetitive head knocks. Earlier this year, Robbie read a story by Jess in The Australian about Mark Spud Carroll, a rugby league superstar who's now been diagnosed with probable CTE. That's chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It's a progressive form of brain damage, and that means it's likely to get worse and worse. The story prompted Robbie, who had been feeling suicidal, to go to see Dr Rowena Mobbs, the neurosurgeon who'd diagnosed Spud Carroll and many other footballers, including the host of our Head Noise podcast, James Graham. Dr Mobbs diagnosed Robbie with probable CTE. And here's the thing. She told Robbie he should have already known there were problems with his brain because a few years back he'd participated in a neurological study of NRL players focused on the Newcastle Knights. And it's that study that's at the centre of this story. Robbie and three other players and their families say they were kept in the dark about what the study found. And that means they believe they've missed crucial years of treatment and understanding about what's going on with their brains. So in 2018, Robbie O'Davis was struggling with all these mood swings and suicidality and was going to a cliff in Newcastle and thinking about throwing himself off it. He was really really, really troubled. And then somebody alerted him to an NRL study which was being conducted by Dr Andrew Gardner at that time at Newcastle University. So he thought he would go there and he would get some answers as part of this study. And so he went and had a brain scan. He did some neuropsychological testing, which is like this questionnaire which tests you on your short-term memory. And he thought he'd find some answers. But he claims he never heard back from them.
When Dr Rowena Mobbs looked at his scans from that 2018 study, she could see serious problems with Robbie's brain. As part of that 2018 study, he had an MRI brain scan, but it wasn't until April 2023 this year when his neurologist, Dr Rowena Mobbs, went back and looked at his files and saw that brain scan from 2018 and said, Robbie, did anybody tell you that your brain was damaged in 2018? And he was like, no. And she said, so these people haven't called you in and talked about these scans? And I said, no. And she says, you need a laceration on your brain. And they didn't ring you and tell you about the, the laceration on your brain. She didn't, she didn't call you and say there's something abnormality on your brain. There's something going on there. And I said, no. Now, if you read the consent forms, the NRL study specifically says if you want your results, you can request them. It's my understanding that footballers weren't aware that they had to request them. They just assumed that the NRL study would contact them if there were any adverse results. And that's a familiar theme, isn't it, from our podcast Head Noise, where it became clear that footballers are pretty passive about making their own inquiries about their state of health. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I've been a sports journalist for over 20 years now. These guys are often not critical thinkers. They're used to following the coach, following the physio's order, following the team doctor's order. Some may not even pay their own bills, for example. And one wife I spoke to, Sandra Crow, her husband Trevor, who has brain damage, she had to chase down the scans. She didn't understand why they weren't immediately coming back to her with the results. And she was shocked three months later when she finally did chase down the scan and they said, your husband has brain damage. She was like, well, what do we do now? Stay with us. We'll find out what the NRL is saying about this story and what it means for the superstars of today. That's after this short break. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. The study in which Robbie O'Davis had his first brain scan commenced in 2012 under the guidance of Dr Andrew Gardner, a university academic, and it focused on the Newcastle Knights. In 2019, it was funded by the National Rugby League and expanded to include all NRL players, and it's looking at the effects of concussion. So Dr Gardner and Professor Levi say their research aims to find out whether former NRL players have more psychological disorders or cognitive problems and brain changes compared to the general community. And they're studying to prevent the, quote, misdiagnosis of CTE. That's their intent. So what do we know about the position already taken or the starting point of these two professionals? There are many views on CTE. There are some that think it's a complete beat up and there's others that don't think it is, that 
say you're going to be really susceptible to this brain disease if you play a contact sport. And then there's others saying, no, 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 who are far more conservative and say, well, we should be really looking at all of this very critically. And basically, some claim that it's a media beat up. I would say that Dr. Gardner and Professor Chris Levi are really cautious around diagnosing CTE. Here's what Andrew Gardner said in a statement. These are his words, but not his voice. My priority is always our participants who generously give their time and share their experiences to help other players. Their privacy is also paramount, and so I can't speak about anyone's personal situation publicly. I'm, of course, happy to meet any of our participants with their families privately to help clarify and answer any questions. Our research program continually reviews our processes and we hold ourselves to the highest standards, as is expected of us from everyone involved. Sydney University, which is working on the study, said in a statement, if any potential conditions are identified, the individual participant is informed privately and directly. The uni says if the player consents, their GP is also informed of the findings. So, what about today's players? The NRL has responded to the concerns of players, families and fans by instituting an 11-day stand-down for any player who suffers a serious head knock. That's the toughest policy they've ever had. If you watched State of Origin 1 last month, you'd have seen Queensland's superstar Tom Trebojevich lying dazed on the ground after a huge tackle. This marvellous sporting contest is But then Trebojevich was cleared to play by his club doctor. The 11-day stand-down rule was a good start and that's what people wanted, but if you speak to any leading neurologist, they will tell you that it needs to be 30 days. But what we're seeing now is club doctors coming in and reviewing the patient or the footballer and saying, no, they're fine. No more symptoms are being shown. Therefore, I'm using my medical authority to clear them. It's happened with a number of players now, and it looks like a loophole. I would say so, yeah. I think we'll see almost three players get out of it. It's not a super tight policy. There are ways to get out. It's not like, well, you were knocked out in origin, you you are gone. It's like, well, you know, it was only symptoms and I was cleared by my club doctor, so I'm fine. I can play. Jess Halloran and Wendy Carlisle's stories about the Knights and the NRL's ongoing studies are at theaustralian.com.au right now. And you can find Head Noise wherever you got this podcast. Just search Head Noise. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.